17 billion, 20 million, 448,575 people that have been born between the beginning of what we know as time and the summer of 2022. So this is about a year old. It's probably more than that now. There are currently, as of 2023, there are currently 7.8 billion people alive. Okay? I'm not a great mathematician, but if I do my math, that means that there are just under 110 billion people that have had two common experiences. Those experiences are life, being birthed, and the other experience is death. For those that are our loved ones that have gone on, we um, we do things to remember them. We establish markers and memorials. Um, there are often structures dedicated. Uh, I think about over in Withfield Community College, I think about the uh, recreational fields. They're named after a former coach that was there at WCC, Whiffle Community College. We make markers, we establish memorials, we dedicate structures, ballparks. Um, in, in fact, even in this room this morning, if you walk down the aisles of the church, you'll see those placards on the side of a, a few of the pews, and some of those were given in memorial where somebody bought a pew in memory of somebody, and they had their name put on it on a little brass plaque. So we find ourselves trying to preserve the memory of those that are precious to us. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. We know that short of the Lord's coming, we call it the rapture of the church, each of us have an appointed departure date from this world. It's coming. It's unavoidable. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Um, I, I was reading a, uh, an obituary the other day of someone uh, that had shared, someone that I'm acquainted with had shared, that they had a, a great friend that was physically fit. He ran every day. He worked out. You know, he eat kale and beets and all that stuff that I don't eat. You know, I like, you know I'm, I'm, I'm typically a hamburger, hot dog, pizza type guy, you know. And but in spite of all that he is was doing to stay healthy and stay fit, he suddenly passed away. Yeah. All of us have that appointed departure date from this life. According to experts, it's typical that the our the memory of us, people remembering us, will begin to diminish in as little as one generation. And I know some of you in this room, you you would like to think that people are going to remember you from for thousands of years from now, but it's it's not likely. In fact, it says that that our memories will continue to fade into the second generation, and typically by the third generation, there is very little memory of our personhood. Wow, does it that bust our bubbles? In spite of all the memorials, the tributes, and all that can be done in our memory. Our identity will slowly pass away. Experts claim that typically only one in every 30 billion people will be remembered for extended 
generation and those people therefore are considered unique. They're very unique. I want you to take note that I place emphasis that, that it is a, a typical, typical circumstance. There are exceptions to every proverbial rule that exists and there are, there are those whose names are and will continue to be known for many passing generations But historians and theologians alike agree that there is only one name that is more recognizable than any name that has ever existed. It's not Abraham Lincoln. It's not George Washington. It's not Charles Spurgeon. It's, it's, it's nobody like that. That, that one name that, that has been through generations and it will continue to be passed down. They agree upon that name. That name is in a class by itself. It has been the subject of more arguments found at the central points of wars. It simultaneously has spoken peace while it has been the subject of war. It has been studied. It has been scrutinized. It has been ridiculed while being praised and glorified. What is that name? Yeah, you guessed it. That name is Jesus. More popular than Ronald McDonald. And still more popular than Dolly Parton. Okay? It's the name Jesus. So during this Christmas season, while we're seeking these unique Christmas gifts, I believe that the, the gift, the most unique gift that can be found is found in Jesus. He was and he is different than any other man that has ever existed on the face of the earth or will ever exist on the face of the earth. I want us to read the Apostle Paul's description of this amazing man, Jesus, and you'll find his description in uh, Colossians chapter 1. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them there to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 15 through 20. Again, I apologize for the glitch in the overhead this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. I'm reading from the New International Wording. Paul writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Verse 19, I want you to underscore this verse and the first part of verse 20 for the sake of today's message. For God has pleased, was pleased, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Who's him? Him is Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
I want you to know this morning that absolutely nothing or nobody has had the lasting effect on the world that Jesus has had. Absolutely nothing. Let's face it. A lot of things have come and gone. For those of you that are in this room that are older, there's a lot of things that you think about and you think about them as the good old days. You know, I can remember a lot of things when they when they came along that my dad didn't like. I can remember when 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 power windows become popular on cars. My dad wouldn't he wouldn't have power windows for nothing in the world. In fact, I can remember in 1978 he ordered a new Chevrolet. Yeah, he he was blessed to have the best, you know, the Chevrolet. You know, he ordered a new Chevrolet and he ordered that new Chevrolet. One reason in particular he special ordered it is because he wanted crank up windows. Some of y'all don't even know what that is now. He said, I don't want those electric windows. He said, them things will get stuck down. And he said, they'll leave you right in the middle of winter time. And they'll be stuck down. You can't even get them up. You know. But now it's a, a rarity to find even uh, a fleet truck with uh, crank up windows on it. But we find that that things have come and... Things have gone in our life and, and things change all around us. Changing quicker than we realize. Who would have thought, who would have thought 25 or 30 years ago that most of us would be walking around like a Neanderthal with our heads down looking at these the whole time we're walking or, or while we're driving. Things change. Things happen around us. Absolutely nothing or nobody has had the lasting effect on the world that Jesus has had. But you know, the weird part of it is Jesus never traveled, but within just a few miles of where he lived, he didn't go too far. It wasn't too far from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's not too far from Jerusalem and to Jericho or Nazareth or any of the places that we think about in the scriptures. It's not too far from Jerusalem that Jesus traveled. It was only really just a few miles. And while I fully understand and I realize that it was very different and communication was very different in that time and travel was different in that time. But but I, I just want you to grasp that, that Jesus uh, did not encompass a, a large amount of physical or geographical territory in his time. Yet, he has had a lasting effect on the world. Jesus never authored a book. Yes, this book is written about him, but he didn't write it. He never composed a song. He never painted a portrait or, or sculpted a statue. Anything, to, nothing like that was done to make him famous. But isn't it remarkable that he is known around the world? There have been more books written about Jesus than any other subject matter on the face of the earth. I found that amazing. The Bible is still the all-time bestseller of any book in the world. There are thousands of songs that 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 bear uh, Jesus' name. Pictures, portraits have been painted of him holding little children on his lap, carrying a lamb along, walking on the water, knocking on a door that has no handle on it. And there's probably many or others that we can name. 
Movies have been made. Films have been created about his story. His story was at center stage of those movies that that have generated Hollywood producers millions and millions of dollars while he was actually only known as the lowly Nazarene. He never led an earthly army, yet multitudes have given their life for him. But soon he'll lead a heavenly army. That will come back to this earth. Jesus was, he would have been considered a commoner. Jesus was raised a, a carpenter's son, if you would, though Joseph was not uh, his father per se. He was his earthly dad. He was just raised as a commoner. There was no prefix nor suffix that was attached to his name. He carried no degrees and no accomplishments per se, according to the world. He was born in a barred stable, when, and when he needed to sail somewhere, he even had to borrow a boat. When he wanted to feed a multitude of friends, he had to borrow a little boy's lunch. And when he rode into Jerusalem, he actually even borrowed a donkey to do so. And when he died, he borrowed a tomb. That wasn't his. Jesus was just a commoner at the most. At the most. But yet, he is at the center of, he's the most controversial. He is probably the most popular, most wide, wide known individual that's ever existed on the face of the earth. His mere existence serves as a dividing point in time. Creating the trans, transition counting from counting time in reverse, we call that B.C., most of us call that before Christ, to beginning to count time in the future, or A.D., which signifies the year of our Lord. Forty-two generations, that's where we're at right now. It's estimated that we're in the 42nd generation after the legacy of Jesus Christ began, and His fame is still spreading over the face of the earth. The story of Jesus has never lost its momentum. We think so sometime in the American church or the Western church. Sometimes we'll talk about how the church is dying or the, the church is fading away. But I want to under, I want you to know with me this morning and understand that what we're seeing in America is not necessarily what's happening around the world. Because around the world right now, especially in the continent of Africa, there are thousands upon thousands of th- people that are coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior while we are turning our backs here in America on Him. Jesus is still in the saving business and there are thousands and thousands of people that are coming to know Him even right now, even on this day. To, so to say that Jesus is unique is actually an understatement. It's a it's a gross understatement. It's a tremendous understatement. There has never been or never will be another that is born like Jesus. For he is the Son of God. And verses 19 and 20 that we read from out of Paul's writings this morning, it declares that the fullness of the Father dwells in him. Two key words there this morning for us are the words fullness and dwell. Fullness being derived from the, the Greek word pleromo means the total sum of everything. 
That means Jesus is everything. There is nothing slack. There is no lack found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of God. For Jesus to come up short would mean that God would come up short. For Jesus is not just the Son of God, but Jesus is God. He's God the Son. We see that the fullness of Jesus means that He is awesome God that we sang about this morning. He is, He is omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient God because He is God. Then the word dwell as it appears in this text, actually means to settle down permanently. To settle down permanently. I want you to know, Jesus didn't just come as a flash in the pan. He didn't come just for a moment. He didn't come just for a season. But Jesus is eternal. He's eternal God. Eternity we often think of has been way out. All of the future that's out there before us. Like an infinite future that's behind us. But I want you to know. Just as long as Jesus will be in the future. He has been in the past. Because he is God. And he is infinite in his existence. And he is the fullness of the earth. And he dwells upon the earth. And he settled himself upon this earth. So we can easily understand That Jesus is the preeminence of God. He's the preeminence of God being made flesh. And he is permanently dwelling with us now through the presence of the person of his Holy Spirit. Because he said, I must go away, but I'm not going away and not and leaving you alone. For I'm sending to you another comforter or another presence, an abiding presence, and that presence is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost speaks of all of the things of Jesus. So his fullness still dwells among us. Now, preeminence, the definition of that word means the fact of surpassing all others. Preeminence, the fact of surpassing all others. I want to share with you, if you would, three things concerning the preeminence of Jesus, his uniqueness in the world and in all of creation, if you would. Jesus is preeminent in creation. When we read verse 17 in the text, he said, He is before all things and he holds all things together. He is before all things. Listen, I I, I take it literally. If you don't take it literally, I'm sorry, I I do. When, When I read the early scriptures that said, God said, let us create man in our own image. I believe Jesus was there. I believe he was part of the us. I believe that 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 before anything that 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 we can think of or anything that can come to our knowledge before anything else was God was and because God was Jesus was. You see his preeminence is was there in creation. Jesus had authority over all things even before they were. Jesus was there when everything 
was spoken into existence. Jesus was there when the breath of life was breathed into the nostrils of Adam. He was there. Jesus was there when the sea was parted. Jesus Jesus was there when the walls of Jericho collapsed. Whatever has happened, whenever it happened, in all of time, Jesus was there. I believe Jesus is there, and He's there to hold everything in His proper place. I find myself amazed that, uh, uh, I, you know, I actually did very well in science, believe it or not. Uh, I goofed off in a lot of areas of, of school, in, in, in grade school and in high school, I, I, but I love science, and, and, and I did very well with science, and, 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 and it always amazed me. The study of the universe has always amazed me, uh, uh, and, and how that God could make things, that, and maybe I'm weird, but... But I look up at the moon sometimes in the middle of the night, and I think, how can that just stay in its place? How can it, how can it be there? And how can it not be illuminated all its own? It's just a reflection of the sun off of the moon. How could this be? How could, how could the calendar reoccur? How could this, how could this earth stay in a particular orbit that's down to, to the fractions and fractions of minutes? How could all of this be? How could all of it exist? Well, let me tell you, I have a good explanation for it all. It's not necessarily a scientific explanation according to scientists, but it's that God put everything in its proper place, in its proper order, and he said it, said it in the universe, and because that he put it in its place, and he holds it in place, everything continues. Do you realize somebody said, uh, here I read a, a few months ago, that if the earth tipped off its axis, just the matter of one or two degrees, that everything as we know it would be destroyed. But let me tell you, I'm not worried about an axis, I'm not worried about about an asteroid. I'm not worried about a meteor, but I know that there is a God that holds everything in its proper place, and as long as He desires for it to be in its proper place, it will continue to exist, and it will continue to be just as He said. And then I think about the spiritual aspect, if you would. I think about His Holy Spirit. I think about what Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica and Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven, and, and Paul talks there about that that the the Holy Spirit is the restraining. He said he is the force that is restraining Satan's evilness until the proper time. Let me tell you something: the enemy is going to and fro. He's seeking who he may devour. We know that. The scripture tells us that. But listen, according to the word of God, he can only do what the Holy Spirit allows him to do until the Holy Spirit be taken out of the way. Listen, never doubt, never doubt in God's preeminence. He was there in creation and he is still in control today and he is not apt to lose control. In fact, I'll go as far as to say God will never lose control because he is God. Jesus is, secondly, Jesus is preeminent in the receiving the revelation of the Father. And I want you to listen to me really, really, maybe a little bit closer in the, these next two points. Jesus is preeminent in the receiving of the revelation of the Father. When you read John chapter 10, verse 30, it is declared, Jesus declared that he and his Father are one. He and the Father are one. 
let me tell you, uh, my fingers, uh, my fingers have been, we, we went on that senior bus trip this week and we went to two Amish buffets. Now let me tell you, I didn't go to the Amish buffet to eat rabbit food, okay? So my fingers are swelled up this morning and I can't get my wedding band off, uh, but, but many of you all have a wedding band and, and if most, one of the characters of a of wedding bands is when you look at them, you really can't detect where they're put together. In other words, it's an endless circle. You can't find the beginning of it. You can't find the end of it. It's been it's been crafted and put together in such a way that it's undetectable where it begins and it ends. Listen. When we begin to think about the presence of the Lord, when we begin to think about Him working as the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, I want you to know, you can never really separate. In fact, I shouldn't even say really. You cannot separate Jesus from the Father, and you can't separate the Holy Ghost from Jesus. In other words, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is is connected. It's one God that manifests in three persons. That's called the Trinity. Jesus is preeminent in receiving the revelation of the Father. Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 30, that me and my Father, we are one. That means they're inseparable. You can't divide them apart. You can't separate. Certainly, there are different administrations of works that they serve in, but you cannot separate them. There is no way, listen to me very carefully, there is no way that we can approach the Father other than through the Son, Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that, turn to John chapter 14, verse 16, read that, and we find that we approach the Father through The person of Christ. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Don't get worried about it. I'm not going Jesus only. I'm not going apostolic on you this morning. But what I I am saying to you is, oftentimes, I think we allow, because maybe we feel a little bit intimidated. Maybe we feel, uh, maybe we feel a little bit uh, embarrassed. Or maybe we feel a little bit pressured. Oftentimes, it is easy for us to speak about God, but not utter the name of Jesus. But Jesus is a, in fact, is God. He is a person of the Trinity, if you would. He and the Father are inseparable. And the way that we gain access to the Father is through Jesus. While in Pennsylvania the other day, we went to a, uh, we went to a depiction of the tabernacle. It was built supposedly in the dimensions of the tabernacle in the wilderness and they, they had this curtain hung and, and they did it through means of, uh, a video and lighting and they illustrated that when Jesus gave up his, his life, when his life was expired on the cross, that the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom and exposed, if you would, uh, Everyone to the holy place or the most holy place. That access was gained through the person of Jesus Christ, the unique person of Jesus Christ, the unique gift to the world. There's no way that we can come to the father. In other words, I want to say this to you. You can't get saved and get to heaven and go around Jesus. You can't get saved and go to heaven and go around Jesus. 
We can work it up. We can do all kinds of things. But if we get, if we would get, to, if we could get to heaven any other way, the Bible declares that we would be as a thief and a robber. So don't forget about doing your good works are good. Good, you know, good works are evidence of your faith. They follow your faith. But understand with me, the only way you get to heaven is through and by faith in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. We're celebrating right now the season of the birth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We'll celebrate in a few months His crucifixion on a cross that wasn't His. It was undeserving. He was buried in a tomb that He borrowed, as I said earlier, and He rose from that tomb and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And right now he is, uh, he has ascended back to the right hand of the Father. But when he ascended from here, he ascended in a body. A body just like you and I have. Illustrating, if you would, and proving that there is a resurrection from the grave. But all of that will come no other way than the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is preeminent in receiving the revelation of the Father. There's no other means by which we can be saved other than Jesus. I've got to hurry up. Time's escaping me. Point number three. Jesus is preeminent in reconciliation. Now, I, I know we live in a day and a time when so much is done electronically. You know, I get text messages on my phone, you know, a, a transaction that took place on credit card, transaction took place from the bank, and you know, and I, I get notifications on myself. But there was a day, and some of y'all remember that day, when you got this big thick envelope at the first of the month, and it was all the checks that you wrote for the month before, and you went in and you took all those, and you compared them to your checkbook, and you balanced your checkbook. That is actually called reconciliation. But I want to talk to you about spiritual reconciliation. You see, God created humanity. He, he breathed the breath into to Adam. We were God's special creation as humanity, if you would. And I like what one person I heard say uh, on occasion many years ago. He said, you find that, that we were called humans in the beginning. And we begin to be called humanity after the fall of Adam. Because humanity actually means that we were hewn out of. The human. In other words, we became less than God intended us to be because of sin. And because we became less than what God wanted us to be because of sin. And we find that the scripture says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. There is none innocent among us that there is a need to be reconciled or there is the need of reconciliation. And as we look at Jesus in the, in the, uh, in the work of reconciliation, there's some important things to note. And one of the important things to note, if you, I'm not going to read this this morning because it's, 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 uh, too much reading for this service, but I want you to read it later. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 and I want you to read verses 1 through 18. And there you will read the writer of the Hebrew describes and instructs that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice That was found and made once and for all. A number of years ago when I was a a young man and it wasn't a church around here but and I won't call the name of the church but I was in the church and and the pastor got up and and he said he said and for all you cat lovers I'm sorry he said I started to kill a cat 
and, and, and drain its blood out and bring the blood in out of that cat to, and pour it over a white cloth. He said, to illustrate and symbolize, and I don't have a problem with illustrations, okay? To illustrate the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I, 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 I guess I understand in one degree what he's talking about as far as creating the illustration. But let me tell you, there was not an animal. There, there was not a lamb. There was not a turtle. There, there was no animal at all that could be sacrificed that measured up to the preciousness, if that is such a word, and the completeness of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you read Hebrews there, you will find that Jesus was the ultimate. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was, he was God became man that knew no sin. He became sin that knew no sin when he was nailed on the cross. Chris Tomlin made a fortune off of that line. And he became that for our righteousness. Not that we are righteous within ourselves, but we are made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that basically is what I'm talking about in the, in the, in the, in the word of reconciliation. Because what we can't do or what we can't achieve or what we can't buy or what we can't muster up, we can find all through the person of Jesus Christ because he made available to us the reconciliation for all of our sin. Listen, there's a great chasm that was created between God and man that happened in that Garden of Eden. When when Adam and Eve failed, and they miserably failed, it created a chasm. They were, they were driven out of the garden, and you you find there that there were there there were angels, fiery angels, that were said set to guard the garden, but. Humanity was no longer left there. There was a chasm. There was a separation. But I want you to know what? There is only one way to, 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 to cross over that chasm of sin. There's only one way to cross over that separation that sin is called. And that's, that, that way is through the person of Jesus Christ to be reconciled with the Father through His Son, which is Jesus. Only Jesus can span that chasm. And righteousness can only be found in Him. See, the Bible says that our... And listen, there's some good people in this room. I know there are. There's some good people in this room. And there's people in this room that have done great things. There's people in this room that have done wonderful things. I don't ask the praise team if they would be moving back up. And I don't use... I don't usually ordinarily use the whole praise team for altar service. But I'm going to today. There's good in some of us. There's, 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 we do good things. We do good works. We treat people good. But the one thing that we lack in all of our goodness is godly righteousness. And the only way we can have godly righteousness is through the uniqueness, the unique gift of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we can achieve godly righteousness. Jesus. No one can do what he's done. Jesus.
There's no other like him. He's unique. Jesus, there's no other way to heaven but by him. Before you all go into this song, I want to share the lyrics of another song. It's an old song that we used to sing around our Pentecostal churches. Well, probably all churches a, a number of years ago. But it was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. They nailed it in their song. Their song went, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Jesus is unique. I want you to know that. Jesus is unique. He is that gift that you need. He's that gift that you may not have yet. According to to Google, and you know Google knows everything, the search for the unique gift has increased in the last few years, in the last uh, uh, three to four years, the search for that unique gift at Christmas has increased by 230%. When people are searching, they want that unique gift. They want that special gift. Let me tell you, I'm offering you a, uh, I'm offering you a gift that you can't buy at K. Okay? I'm offering you a gift that Cracker Barrel don't sell in the gift shop. I'm offering you a gift today that you can't order off of Amazon and, and, and get free shipping with Prime. Okay? I'm offering you a gift that you can't go up to Amish country like we were in this week and go into one of those handcrafted shops. I'm offering you a gift that is so unique you can only get it one place and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads and I don't ask the praise team if y'all can at least turn your heads down to look at your lyrics. With every head bowed in this place and every eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question. Do you have the gift? Do you have the gift? Do you have the gift that is, that is unique above all gifts? Do you have the gift that is a necessity above all gifts? Do you have the gift of Jesus? There's not another one like him. If you're in this room today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you've never accepted Him for the pardoning of your sins. You've never accepted Him as your reconciliation to righteousness. Or maybe you've served Him and you've walked with Him in times past. But you're far, far away from Him right now in your life. And you need to come back home. If that's you, without any embarrassment, I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to point you out. 
And I'm asking people not to be looking around, peeking under your armpits and, and out the corner of your eye. But right now, if you're in this room and you need, you need an encounter with the unique gift of Jesus, I just want you to slip up your hand this morning. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Is there one in this room right now? Thank you. Are there others in this room right now? Are there any others in this room right now? There's been some hands to go up. And we're just believing and we're trusting the Lord to minister and work among us this morning. Is there any other? This is what I want you to do. Those that raise your hand to this room, you know who you are. And again, it's not about embarrassing you. And nothing in the scripture says that you have to make the walk to a front of a church. But I want to tell you this. If you will begin to step out in faith, there's something that occurs. As you begin to take those steps, those physical steps, to make a decision for Christ, there's just something remarkable. There's something special about that. You're sitting in a room full of people that the ones in this room that are saved, they had to be saved the same way that you'll get saved. And that's through and by making a commitment to Jesus Christ. So if you're in this room and you raise your hand, or if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask for everybody that can and will to head this way here in just a second. And I want you to make your way up to this front with everybody else. And I would like to pray with you, but I'm going to leave that decision up to you to make your way to where I'm at and I've got some scripture to share with you and we want to pray with you so right now everybody in this room that can and will I want you to make your way to this front right now come on church and if you slipped up your hand if you're one of those people maybe you didn't slip up your hand but you wanted to I want you just to make your way here right now you come on church come on church come on people you are the king of the earth the unique gift of Christmas. The unique gift of Jesus. Don't leave home without Him. The greatest gift that you can possibly have. The greatest gift that you can find in this season of Christmas. 